Welcome to Think Orphan, the podcast for orphan excellence. Real talk with real people navigating the global orphan crisis. Let's join your hosts, Phil Dark and Dr. Karen Hutchison. Hey guys, welcome to the Think Orphan podcast. Thanks for joining us today. As usual, we have a really great and interesting show. Phil, who's on today? Today we have Sam Dharmapala. Uh, he is the founder and CEO of Regenesis BPO. He's going to tell us all about that during the interview. But Sam's a guy I met at Q last year, um, and it's almost been a year. I can't believe it. Uh, but he was the winner of the for-profit Praxis uh, Fellows. Basically, if you, for those of you not familiar with Q, uh, Q is a conference. It's a fantastic conference. It's actually this week. Uh, so it just so happens we're releasing this episode uh, when Q is getting started tomorrow. If you are downloading this on Tuesday, which is when we release it, it will be starting tomorrow. If you're if you're listening to this after, you know, and, and you're just kind of binge listening later on, Q has happened. It's long gone and you missed it. But you can pick it up online. Qideas.org is the uh, website and you definitely it's worth going to and listening to the content that Q brings to us because it's phenomenal stuff. Praxis is a part of, it's not technically uh, a part of it, but it's been intimately connected with Q from the beginning. And uh, they have their fellows present at Q every year. And it's it's always one of the highlights of, of the conference. So um, I'm, I'm just going to let uh, Sam share with us what he's doing. Um, as you're listening, I, I do encourage you to take notes. And then, then afterwards, when you're done listening to this, um, sh- share a review and rate the show on, on iTunes. Um, we definitely, definitely learn from that, but it also helps get the show out there to more and more people. So with that, I'm going to let Sam share with us all the great stuff that he's doing around the world. Here we go. Well, Sam, it is so good to have you here on the show all the way from the Philippines. Yeah, it's good to be here, Phil. Well, Great you know, to be on the show. yeah, I was I was so uh, encouraged by uh, what I what I heard from you. We were at the Q conference, and you were we were sharing with the the, the Praxis uh, fellows uh, night, where all the fellows are able to share uh, their vision and their pitches to uh, some Q participants. And so your your uh, company actually won on the for profit side, and and that wasn't why I'm having a show, although that was definitely something that uh, was exciting to me to see. But really what you're doing um, with Regenesis uh, BPO and and uh, in different parts of the world is very exciting. I'm mean, very excited to have our audience be able to share in that uh, with us. So can you just briefly tell your story and, and introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, sure, Phil. So, um, so my name is Sam. Um, as you can probably Note from my accent, uh, I'm not from the U.S., um, so my home country is Australia, uh, but I've left Australia about uh, probably 11 years ago, and hence I got a hybrid accent uh, mm-hmm. that uh, merges a few, uh, few different countries together. Um, so my background is actually in engineering, so I started my work life as an engineer working in the outback in Australia uh, and worked in the mines over there. And then I moved across into the banking sector. Um, so I was uh, running technology and operations for uh, multinational banks across uh, Australia. And also I worked for the likes of JP Morgan and Deutsche Bank. Um, that's the work background that I have. Uh, but in terms of uh, my life background, um, 
So me and my wife, uh, probably about 12 years ago, uh, and we're married close to 14 years now, um, we decided that uh, we wanted to do something different with our lives uh, as opposed to your standard, you know, um, have kids and have a nice house. Uh, we thought that God called us to really use our talents um, and and to take a few steps out in faith with him. So we left Australia uh, over 11 years ago, and we've been on this journey to understand how we can use our talents. Part of that journey uh, involved moving to different countries and trying different things. Um, and we ended up in the Philippines about almost nine years ago. Um, so I was working for a German bank, a Deutsche Bank, in Manila. And about four years ago, I encountered a lot of anti-trafficking organizations that were involved in rescuing women. Um, what the stories they told were incredible in terms of how they helped the police rescue women and uh, how their rescues ended up saving hundreds from prostitution, from sex trafficking, from labor trafficking, and from the most dire and desperate and difficult of circumstances. Uh, but what I also noticed was that aside from the rescue, when I asked them about what happens afterwards, there wasn't much in the way of information provided. So I started some digging of my own, um, and one of the things I realized was that the restoration story or the rest restoration side is really complex uh, because you're dealing with people who've gone through a lot of trauma, uh, who come from broken families, and hence they've been uh, vulnerable to exploitation. Um, and it got me thinking about how we could use uh, a workplace to help in that transformation. And since I had been working in the technology space, and uh, in specifically in terms of outsourced services, the concept that they could come to a company that, uh, that helps them with the training and also employment in front of a computer would give them a significant advantage when it comes to that restoration. So that's what I did. So I created a company called Vgenesis, um, and what we do is we train and employ survivors of uh, slavery to do computer-based work here in the Philippines. Yeah, and you have a you have a vision for this company that that's well beyond the Philippines. Is that's right? Um, that that's right. Yeah. So um, even so, there are a couple of parts to that vision. Right? One is that we not only work with the survivors, but we also uh, proactively reach out into the communities where slavery is happening and employ high potential people from those communities in that way make life difficult for um, for those who are out there trying to exploit uh, women and men um, and take the people that were supposed to be exploited uh, away from the uh, all from the supply chain uh, and then also to work in trafficking hotspots across the world 
So uh, what we want to do is take this model and move it to India, to Africa, to the Middle East, to South America, Central America. So wherever there are trafficking hotspots. And what we want to do is to work closely with shelters and with anti-trafficking organizations and employ individuals directly from those places. Yeah, can you just real quickly for the people out there who may not be familiar with you know the the process of what you're talking about here with with what you're actually doing? Can you just you just uh, explain it a little bit more as far as the the mechanism of getting you know c- partnering with businesses to also be able to hire these these women and other victims of of trafficking? Yeah, so um, so let me explain on one side what happens with uh, the survivors, and then I can explain what happens on the business side, right? So um, with the survivors, what we do is we uh, work with NGOs and shelters, um, and we uh, we take them through an assessment process whereby we assess their level of education, their ability to understand instructions. Um, but also uh, we try to understand the level of drive that they have to do a good job. Mm-hmm. So once they pass that initial assessment, then we take them through a couple of months of training, and after that couple of months of training, they're deployed into our operations area. And typically they start with simpler work such as data entry or image processing work, and then they progressively move on to more complex act- work. So... So what we do over that time is to upskill them continuously. So that's what we do on uh, on the side of the survivors and our employees. On the business side, what uh, what we do is we work with companies based in the U.S., the U.K., and Australia, and uh, and we get uh, outsource work from them. So let me give you a few examples. Um, so we work with uh, an image tagging company based out of New York, and we categorize thousands, um, hundreds of thousands of images uh, that are then used by retailers on eBay and other online stores to sell their goods. So we have literally teams of uh, mostly women who go through thousands of images, categorize them by color, by design, by patterns, so that Online shoppers can then go in and easily select the things that they want to buy. Uh, we also have another team that uh, that edits real estate images. So we work with a company based in Michigan, and we edit thousands of photos every month. Uh, and these are high-end properties uh, that they take the initial images sent by the photographers, we clean it up, make it look really good and then send it back to the U.S. and we turn that around within 24 hours and it's an excellent service that we provide. Um, So what we actively do is to work, find new clients and develop specific services for them. And from my side, we employ new new technologies such as uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, workflow platforms in order to deliver these at a great price to our clients all around the world. 
Yeah, that is such a great, uh, I love the both sides of it. And I love how you're also, um, you're talking about the reintegration from the girls, which is a huge part of it, which is kind of the restoration intervention side. But you're also talking about the prevention side by going into these communities and not just responding, but proactively hiring people so that there won't be as much demand really and supply for the, for the trafficking, um, which is a big part of what we talk about on this show. And I hope everyone out there is making those connections. Uh, for those of you who listened for, for a long time, you hopefully are making these connections and starting to make them more and more that so much of this is interconnected and we can't just be reactive. We need to really be proactive. So I'm loving, I'm loving hearing that from you. Um, but I'd love for you to just talk about right now, the, uh, the idea, you know, that you saw in in these in the areas of uh, of the trafficking and the need for the rescue and the need for the the um, restoration. Why is the reintegration of the girls back into a job so critical um, as part of the um, restoration of them? Yeah. So, anecdotally, what we've heard is that the re-trafficking rates. Uh, for survivors are extremely high. What I have witnessed myself is that uh, you literally have traffickers and pimps that are waiting for girls to come out of the shelters and they will reach out to these girls, you know, because there's no support services provided to these men and women as they come out of the shelters. Mm -hmm. So they're left to fend for themselves, find a job, find a place to live, and they're extremely vulnerable at this point in time. So the modus operandi of, of the traffickers is let let the um, let the girls who come out of the shelters starve for a few weeks and then uh, tell them, look, there's a job waiting for you and it's doing what you used to do before. And the sad thing is these girls will go back into the sex trade willingly, mm -hmm. right, in terms of mm -hmm. there's no other alternative but to go back into it. So the reintegration side is, on one hand, extremely important in that what we do is we deliberately target the girls that are about to come out of the shelters, get them... Uh, get them assessed, and for those who pass our assessment, we then uh, bring them into our operations and have them working in our operations. By providing them with a stable income, that's step one. The other parts about reintegration that we do, so we partner with other organizations. Um, so if you can imagine the survivors, given their background, we provide them with... Uh, in-house counseling. We also partner with another organization that uh, gives them uh, or educates them about financial literacy. So for all of these employees that come in from the shelters and from these ultra-poor communities, they have a bank account for the first time in their lives. They get an ATM card for the first time in their lives. And what typically happens is now that they have a good job or stable income, you have friends and family from coming out of the woodwork that will start to try to get money out of them. So what the cool thing that this NGO does, it, it uh, teaches them how to manage those relationships and boundaries and hence 
manage their finances and build up their savings. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so that's that's an example of one of the partners that we work with. Another uh, organization that we work with uh, provides uh, free uh, health assessments and also uh, provides free medicine uh, for survivors. We also run a medical program that teaches them how to look after themselves. Again, these, these are all essential uh, stepping stones in order to reintegrate back into society. Right. And one of the important things is, you know, how do I look after myself? How do I make sure that I can turn up to work every day? And also, uh, as most of these survivors have children um, born out of wedlock and born out of the trauma that they've experienced, how to look after the kids in their family. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, and I know I've seen in my travels some phenomenal, phenomenal organizations that are doing just exactly what you're talking about, which is reintegrating, which is something that I think was, you know, not necessarily thought about at the at the level that it needed to be at the beginning. You know, there were all these rescues, and that was great. But then, like you said, the so many of these girls were brought right back into it. Um, and as, as we know, so many orphanages, you know, around the world, the same thing happens. The traffickers are just waiting at the doorstep and it's because they're not prepared to really go out in the world and work. And so that's such a critical, such a critical thing. And can you share with us, I know that you shared a story of a, a girl named Leah at that, at Q. Um, but, uh, if, if there's that story or another success story, just so our, our, uh, audience can kind of put some flesh on these ideas. Yeah, okay, so I'll mention what happened with Leah. Um, So Leah, uh, when she was 16 years old, she um, went for a job interview um, as a babysitter, and uh, and there was uh, a foreigner based in the island uh, in the Philippines that she was living uh, living in who was looking for a babysitter to look after some of his children. During the interview, she was assaulted, sexually assaulted, and then she was uh, kept as a slave for the next two years in his household. Um, It's hard to believe that that could happen, but it still happens uh, at an alarming frequency uh, all around the world. She was able to get uh, word of what was happening to her out to a visitor who was visiting uh, the abuser. Uh, and the police raided the house and rescued her and, and basically uh, got her into a shelter. But the, uh, but the trouble or the trauma wasn't over yet because when she had to leave the shelter when she turned 18, she was then approached by pimps to go back into the go into the sex work uh, industry. So it was at that time that uh, Regenesis came into the picture. We worked with an NGO called uh, Ten Thousand Windows, and what we did was uh, so what Ten Thousand Windows does is it provides some initial job readiness training to get them ready for the workforce, and then uh, because she did so well. She was one of our first candidates uh, for our employment program. The Leah that we see now is uh, a completely different person to the Leah that I met uh, more than three years ago. So she, uh, so when she came through the door, she was this insecure and I suppose quite shy individual. 
uh, and over time what's happened is her confidence has grown tremendously. She's actually now doing programming work. She's learning and uh, she's learning programming, going to computer school, and she's one of our top performers. Right? Mm. Um, so, you know, to kind of witness that life journey that she's gone through, it's inspiring to everyone else in the office, not just the senior management, but also for our other entry-level employees who can see that if you apply yourself, this is where you can get to. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, the, uh, with so we're close to about 50 staff now, and we see so many stories similar to Leah. Um, and, you know, so I can share probably another story uh, which goes to show that it's not just people who suffered slavery, but also what we do is we reach out to people who are typically orphans or have been abused in their family. So uh, in the case of um, Jane, what we did was um, we employed her probably about um, eight months ago. Uh, and her background is is quite difficult too, right? So here's a girl that was abused by her dad, her uncles, um, and had literally no place to turn to because her mum had gone off and um, started working in one of the major cities whilst they were still living in the countryside. So as this abuse was happening almost on a daily basis, um, she managed to get rescued by... A local church, uh, but again, the church had limited resources. And then she was moved from one shelter to the other, and she ended up in a shelter near where we are. And uh, we found out about uh, this shelter, partnered with them, and we employed Jane as a result. And again, the life transformation that we're witnessing through Jane is quite incredible. Yeah, again, and that's, you know, it's all, it's all connected. And, and I, I love, again, that you're entering into that and really working on all sides of this to, to love these children, to love these children, to love the, the men and women who are, are uh, at risk. And um, it's given them not only, uh, you know, rescue, but uh, really giving them chances to flourish. You know, so a lot of the stuff that, that uh, you know, is, is talked about, with Praxis talked about Q, which is how can we help cultivate flourishing for those around us? And so I definitely appreciate that. Can you share um, now just, you know, real quickly how people can learn more about Regenesis? And then while you're doing that, also tell us um, how our audience can get involved with the work that you're doing. Yeah. So um, in terms of getting involved with Regenesis, um, all I can say is reach out to me, right? Um, so what I do is, I'm constantly on the lookout for uh, other NGO partners to work with, uh, but I'm also looking for opportunities to expand our business in the U.S. Uh, primarily, but also all across the world. Um, so if you have business contacts uh, that you think might be taken up by this story, happy to, uh, happy to have a chat with those business contacts as well as yourself. Uh, so go to our website. It's called Regenesis, R-E-G-E-N-E-S-Y-S, dpo.com, uh, and you'll find my contact details there um, and uh, fill out 
presume uh, I can place uh, our contact details alongside with the, with this podcast. So just e- drop me an email and uh, I'll respond. Typically within 24 hours if I'm not traveling. Um, but yeah, uh, just as we are looking to expand both internationally, as we want to move this model to other countries and uh, provide interventions in other countries, and as we want to expand from a business side in the U.S. primarily, right? Uh, we're looking at uh, people that we can partner with along the way. Yeah, so I will definitely put that on the on the show notes. So if you want to just check it out, the Think Orphan. Um website you'll you'll be able to get the web you know the regenesis website as well as uh hopefully by the time this airs the the q um talk that uh that sam gave at the practice night will be available as well we'll have that link um as well as as other um links that are that are discussed here today um and this brings us to our our last uh couple questions so we ask everybody um first one is what have you read listened to or watched that has most impacted your thinking about how we can love orphaned and at-risk children with excellence yeah so um one of the things uh, when when we started developing the concept around regenesis and how we need to train and develop individuals uh from traumatized backgrounds um i actually came across quite a few books that really shaped my thinking um, so uh, there was a book uh, by an author called Paul Tuff, T-O-U-G-H, and, um, and the title of the book is How Children Succeed. There was another book by an author called Jensen uh, called Teaching with Poverty in Mind, right? Mm-hmm. And basically what both books showed me was how I can develop a training program that would actually activate the capabilities of uh, children who come out come out of difficult backgrounds mm. um, so our training program focuses on developing three uh, three character traits one is around conscientiousness which is a desire to do a job well and to be detail oriented then we have perseverance the ability to continue despite setbacks into the long term, and then resilience, which is the ability to recover well from setbacks. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the insights that I gain from these resources is that that children who come from a traumatized background, um, so they have experienced what's called acute stress, and what happens in their brains is that all of their mental processes are trying to deal with this acute stress, which basically leaves very little room to deal with other stresses that come in. So they're actually quite vulnerable to normal stresses that most people in a workplace will encounter. So what you need to do is to help them develop that stress or the coping mechanisms and their mental talk so that they can basically work their way out of situations that we take for granted over here, mm-hmm. right, in the normal mm-hmm. workplace. Right. So, so those resources have been really helpful in terms of you know, really helping us develop a program, understanding what we need to focus on, and understanding all of the support elements that we need to put in. So I would highly encourage anyone who's dealing with 
people from a traumatized background to look at those resources because that gives really good insights on on what goes on uh, in terms of their mental processes, but also what the latest research, evidence-based research mm-hmm. is showing in terms of uh, good interventions. Yeah, that's great. That's always great to, to combine the research with the practical. And so that's, that's something that I love books that are able to do that. Um, yeah. Last question for you. What, what person has most impacted your thinking on how we can love orphan and at-risk children with excellence? Yeah, so uh, look, I've uh, been thinking from from let's say a Christian perspective on this. Um, so uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Ravi Zacharias mm-hmm. and uh, and the work that he does in RZIM. But there's one person in Ravi's organization, uh, Michael Ramston, um, who's who basically uh, has helped me shape shape my thinking around how. Christians should be uh, using their skills and talents in the service of God all around the world. Mm. So, uh, have a, so he's got several podcasts that are out there, right? But uh, he's got some incredible insights around, you know, God calling us to take risks, God calling us to to really go out there and and be His hands and feet, and also His heart and mind, right, uh, and working amongst, uh, in difficult circumstances, uh, knowing that that is what he has actually called us to do, instead of, uh, you know, not necessarily leading a comfortable life, but a life that is, um, that takes risks on his behalf, and how he's always there to support, you know, how God is always there to support you along in this journey. Well, that is a, a great place to finish up there. Um, thank you so much, Sam, for, for, your, uh, for your time today, for your life that uh, you really did uh, follow and heed the call of God to, to step out and really enter into a very difficult area, but an area that's such a huge need. And you're able to uh, just match up these, these uh, girls and, and boys and, and men and women who are coming out of just really, really tough places to be able to give them a chance to, to flourish in society. So thanks, thanks Sam. Uh, very much appreciate you and your life. Thanks, Phil. And uh, as I mentioned, what we're doing is quite scalable, right? So our eventual vision is to employ about 10,000 people from all around the world in our operations. Um, given that outsourcing companies employ up to 200,000 people, uh, we think that this is an achievable target in the next 10 to 15 years. Uh, but imagine 10,000 places where people coming out of orphanages and shelters can work in to restore their lives all around the world. And that's, that's the eventual vision that we have. Well, thanks again, Sam. You know, it's always it's always exciting to me to hear from people who are doing just amazing, innovative work around the world. And you know, Sam is absolutely no exception. He's a guy that is that is encouraging to me in hearing what he's doing. But Karen, what'd you think about it? Really, really liked this interview, Phil. Um, I think you know this about me, but I am 
pretty connected here in Louisville and was on staff at a, a local organization and ministry that works very closely with women in the adult entertainment here in Louisville. Interestingly enough, our listeners may not know this at all, and some of you may not even know where Louisville is. It's Louisville, Kentucky. But Louisville, Kentucky actually has one of the highest and largest um, adult entertainment industries in the United States. And so I was really encouraged to hear what Sam had to share about the work he's doing internationally. One of the things that really stood out for me um, is a lot of times in um, organizations and ministries or NGOs, we tend to think that we can do it all. And so we have a really great vision and then we have all these components and then we just kind of try and attack all of the areas. But what I heard in this interview and what I heard from CM was that they really are using other resources as well. They're not trying to do everything themselves um, and they're outsourcing it. They know what their role is and they're trying to really um, focus on certain aspects of women and men's lives who are in the industry. Yeah, you know, and, you know, I, I talked about it earlier in the show, but, uh, you know, this was something that I wanted to make sure I don't forget to, to share with you out there. If you're listening and you're kind of a, you're an entrepreneur that's looking to get a Kickstarter, that's looking to be helped, that's looking to be encouraged on structure, on how you can do this better, Praxis is a way that you can do that. It's really, it, it's a, it's an entrepreneur accelerator and that's what it is. And it's, it's one of the few, if not the only one that I know of out the world, that's a Christian. It is absolutely a Christian, uh, accelerator program. And it's something that I had the, 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 I was fortunate enough at the beginning of it to be able to talk with Dave Blanchard, who's one of the founders of Praxis. And he, uh, just has a phenomenal vision that he's taking, he has taken it with his amazing uh, consulting staff and, and other people who are there uh, as their advisors to a level that I don't know that any of us, well, I'm sure Dave expected it to go there, but it definitely has gone well above um, in such a short time where I think a lot of people would have thought it would. And, and that's so exciting. And so it's just something I encourage you to go to if you're interested in that, if you're an entrepreneur out there, praxislabs.org is the uh, website for that. And you can get all the information you want on it. But, but yeah, you know, this is something that going back to Sam's interview, it's just be able to, you know, just be creative with how you can engage such a ridiculously hard, um, issue in our world today. I mean, this is something that is, there's so many layers to it, as you know, Karen, I mean, just from, you know, from the preventive side on how can we disciple people so that they don't do these types of things. But, you know, and, and like you said, it needs to take so many different people, you know, on the rescue and the changing of laws and all of that. And then Sam comes in and says, you know what, I know there's a part, this one little niche where we say we need to get them jobs such a huge part of it that you can't just come from an emotional side and say, Hey, you know, we're going to come and pour into you, but if they don't have anything to do and anything to go to, they're just going to be stuck and they're not going to be able to really get restored and to re reintegrated into society. And so, and I know, you know, that's something that you've seen it firsthand, but also, um, just from what you've been able to, uh, study on, on this. So, you know, can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's totally on point. And, you know, it's, it, it isn't even just getting someone a job, which Sam talked about it in, you know, really great 
detail and um, specifically in those ways. But, you know, it's it's job training and, and helping a woman, a young woman or a young man feel confident in the skills that they have and um, an additional skill or maybe even the first real, real skill that they have outside of the industry that they were forced into. Um, and so it can be incredibly empowering and it can be actually um it can help the process of healing and kind of encourage and help resiliency within young adults or older adults um, as well. And so it's not just providing a job, but it's providing education and training so that that job is sustainable and that um, individuals aren't just kind of bouncing around and then maybe having a lack of success and then kind of getting back into the industry. And so it's really a deterrent against, um, like recidivism. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that, you know, something that also I've learned in the studying of trafficking around the world and particularly in, um, Southeast Asia from when I was seeing it there. And I'm sure it's not just exclusive to Southeast Asia, but seeing how so many of the girls in trafficking, um, are not forced into it the way we often think they're forced into it. They often come into it through a parent saying, Hey, we need money for our, for our family. So you need to go into this trade. And so similar things. And so when it comes to quote unquote, rescuing them out of the, the trafficking, it really isn't a rescue as much as it's discipling them and training them and, and helping them to understand that this isn't the only way and this isn't something that is the right way, so to speak. And so those are, you know, I, I often talk about discipling out of trafficking, you know, uh, from a biblical worldview, but also just from a, a mindset of this isn't something you have to do. And, you know, I, I imagine that, you know, if you were to come in and say to the girl, you know, I have a job that you can provide everything for your family and you don't have to do this every night and every day. And that would be extremely attractive to them. I, you know, and I, you can probably speak more from, from the, the, you know, firsthand perspective as far as, you know, talking with people than I can. Um, so I guess it's secondhand still, but, um, but yeah, can yeah. you share a little bit with the, about that? Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think kind of what you're talking about is um, could maybe be described or related to from a clinical perspective what we call readiness for change or even a motivation for change, and that in and of itself is even complicated when you're in a system or a family like you've just described, Phil, where um, it's not necessarily the forced into the industry like we may like we may think of, but it's really um, an expectation within the family, or there is so much um, guilt or shame created within a family if um, a child or a teenager doesn't provide for the family. So there's just layers upon layers upon layers. And I think it's a great reminder for those of us who are so removed, even myself, who um, has, you know, connections and does work and ministry work related to the trafficking industry. But I am so far removed from this type of environment that there's no way that I can fully understand what a woman or a man is going through and their thought processes and the way that they have been um, reinforced and the way that they think that they're not worth anything and that this is the only thing that is for them, which is so important and so crucial in what you've described, Phil, and in that discipleship component and helping um, women and children and teenagers and men to understand that this is not their worth. 
their value is so much more than this, not only in the vocation that they have, but also in who they were created to be and whose they are and helping them to understand that there is more and that um, there can be more to this. And by getting connected with organizations and ministries who are providing education and training and, and counseling, and you heard Sam talk about towards the end, the importance of recognizing and identifying, he used the term acute stress, which is another word for trauma, that trauma is real and that trauma impacts the body and the brain. And it, it impacts the way that, um, individuals who've been trafficked think. And, and I think he talked about thought process, thought processes and helping them to increase their coping mechanisms. And essentially, I think what he's talking about is, um, we've got to help their brains to work differently so that their hearts and their minds can be renewed and restored. I know that's complicated and a lot of jargony, but I think you're tracking with me on that, Bill. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this is, these are the types of things that I really do. If this is something that you're really interested in learning more about, um, there's a lot of books written on it, but this would be something to engage and you can get Karen connected with you from the psych, you know, psychological perspective so you can learn more and, and get kind of past the jargon to understand it on, on a level that you can if, if this didn't, you know, fully, if you weren't fully able to understand that. Because these are, these are things that we can't possibly cover um, on a few minutes talking about it on, on these episodes. But if this is something that you've uh, engaged with personally, if, if whether firsthand, secondhand, or, you know, you just heard stories and you, you feel a, you know, God really calling you to understand it deeper. You know, this is something that I, I strongly recommend you, you let us know, and we can, we can definitely get you connected with the right people that have, um, all the, all that you'd want to know about this. And hopefully you can be able to get involved, um, at a deeper level. So, you know, with that, I want to, uh, kind of transition to our recommendations and, uh, unless you have something else, uh, Karen, to, to share, I'd, 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 uh, we can transition onto that. Yeah. I think the only thing I would add is, um, yeah, maybe we can do like a little mini session again, or maybe even, um, incorporate more of this idea of readiness for change and motivation for change. I think that's something that we need to add on to not today, but another time. So that's a little tease out there that, you know, and, and as I've told many of you out there, you know, we, we are not scripted here. So that wasn't something that I, you know, I, I saw that Karen had something else. So, so keep us to that, hold us to that out there. You know, if this is something that you definitely want to hear more on, you know, let us know. And I think we can probably do more than a mini episode on it. We can, you know, either with Karen or we can get a couple other people, maybe Karen can interview someone about this that we know and that we can definitely learn more about this because these are the types of things. And this is really how I love this organic growth, this organic, um, you know, episodes that we just that come out of something that we're struggling with and we're together struggling through these issues, trying to figure them out. So, um, that's definitely something if you, if it's something that grabs onto you, let me, let us know, let us know whether it's this topic or something else. And we'll do our best to get it out there and we're learning right alongside you. So with that, speaking of learning, my recommendation today is, is a book by uh, a brilliant woman who is, happens to be married to a brilliant man who we had on this show and actually had a two part episode with Jeff Sandifer a few episodes uh, back and his uh, amazing wife, Laura, um, she is a graduate of Peabody uh, educa- School of Education uh, at Vanderbilt, which uh, was right down the street for where I was able to go to law school. Phenomenal school. And she has started with Jeff, the Acton Academy that you heard Jeff talk about. If you haven't heard that episode or those two episodes, go back and listen to them. Um, Jeff shares about the Acton Academy and this K through 
8, now K through 12. Um, but they wouldn't call it K through 12. They have their different names for these different uh, levels of school that, you know, I'm going to leave it to you going back and listening to Jeff and reading this book by Laura. It's called Cor- Courage to Grow, How Acton Academy Turns Learning Upside Down. And it really goes through the why, the what, and the how of what they're doing. And it's something that uh, I really, you know, flew through the book. It's something if you listen to audiobooks, Laura actually reads it herself. And I know I love when the authors read the book themselves because you really hear their inflections and what, what excites them. And, and that's, you know, definitely no exception here. So strongly recommend this book. Strongly recommend getting to know Act Academy more. If it's something that you want to start in your area, you can, you can apply to do that. And it, there's, there's these actors that are popping up all over the world. Super exciting to see kids flourishing in awesome ways through this really, uh, as as they call disruptive education. So with that, uh, we're going to close out another show that I am so excited with what God's doing through this, through this show in the lives of many people around the world. And I'm, I'm glad that you're one of those people. And I do hope and pray that you take everything that you're learning today and in all the episodes you're hearing to really understand how you can love orphaned and vulnerable children more and more and better and better each and every day. Thanks a lot. Have a great week. We hope you've enjoyed today's Think Orphan podcast. For all the information in this week's podcast, please visit us at thinkorphan.com. You too can be part of the conversation. Send your questions to info at thinkorphan.com or join us on the Think Orphan Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again on the next edition of Think Orphan. Think Orphan.